This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening in today on Green Living Ideas, Green Talk Radio. This is Sean Daly, Editor-in-Chief of GreenLivingIdeas.com. And today I have with me Meredith Aronson, who is the president of Green Planet Paints. Meredith, welcome to the show. Nice to be here, Sean. So I understand Green Planet Paints does natural paint. So tell me, so tell me what is natural paint and why should we use it? <laughs> Language is the uh, most difficult part of creating new products, I think. Um, the way I characterize this to people is there, in my mind, two categories of paints for people who are paying attention to environmental products. One would be what I would call synthetic or conventional zero VOC paints, um, and the other would be a more natural product. Um, and the difference between these two tends to be in choices of the raw materials. A, the conventional zero VOC paints tend to use an acrylic or petroleum-based resin and a series of other performance additives. The natural products, which are, um, other than our company, European products, um, make very careful raw material selections using renewable um, resin um, when possible and mineral pigments, these kinds of choices that are a different scale of environmental choice. Mm -hmm. Um, And those two categories would be how I would categorize environmental paint products at this point in time. Okay. So really we're talking about, I mean, it is possible. I always wondered this is, you know, is is it absolutely required that these these sort of bad chemicals and things go into paint in the in the home and i and I know there's a lot of talk about you know the low volatile organic compound or v o c paints mm-hmm. there's there's sort of low v o c and no v o c and you know don't have any v o c s in your paints and I think that people most people have gotten to that point of like knowing okay you know I've heard of the v o c thing and I don't want to have it, but what was fascinating to me was uh, reading some of the materials that you guys have put out the educational materials you have out there, and that, that actually even a zero, zero VOC paint can have synthetic materials in it, <laughs> and which was kind of interesting. Right. I mean, I think in this day and age, um, we're not in a position, I mean, I started formulating paint six or seven years ago um, in the background, starting with wheat paste and clay, potter's clay, and you can make an incredibly simple, beautiful paint with nothing more than those two ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the modern consumer, that's not really acceptable. They're very picky. They don't perform quite the way we're used to. And so um, our modern paint is a, you know, a bomb-proof surface. Um, and I think <laughs> 10,000 scrub cycles may not be the best selection in terms of long-term planetary health. Okay. So, um, so really it's about trading, trading, that, trading durability to some degree for be- better planetary health, as you put it. 
Right, and I think I think the raw material selection, the raw material stream, is where we need to put our focus. And I think people are burying that under the rug by simply saying it's VOC, the problem is the VOC. That's the problem for the applicator, and I think it's important and the problem for ozone generation. So it's not negating that, but I think that doesn't go nearly far enough in terms of an, an environmental product. Sure. Well, just to, to um, clarify for our listeners, can you give us a profile of the paints that you're producing, these these natural paints, in terms of their expected lifetime and the performance of the product? Right. I think there are two aspects of performance. Um, we have, you know, we use a high-quality premium resin in our paints, and that's the thing that generally sort of breaks down in a paint. So lifetime-wise, once they're on the wall, they're not going to go anywhere. They're, they're not going to begin to wear out. We use mineral pigments, so they're not going to fade. Um, and our paint has a robustness in terms of long life on the wall, and we're proud of that aspect. These paints are not designed to be um, able to sustain um, a large number of scrub cycles. They will sustain between 10 and 50 scrub cycles. Um, and the reason for that is we've added, we've chosen not to put in a hardener um, that would give you that performance because it uses metals, and we felt that concentration of metals is a choice we were not willing to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, those are the trade-offs. So durability in terms of scrubability, um, our paint is not in the same kind of ballpark as a conventional paint. Durability in terms of lifetime on the wall, our paint is absolutely um, in the same framework as a conventional paint because oh, okay. we use premium materials, raw materials. So I see. So it really comes down to this, this issue of scrubbing the wall. So, so maybe not the best choice for somebody in a nursery <laughs> or right. you know, a room where kids are like a kid's playroom. I'm well, not to say they wouldn't apply, but just you know, maybe you'd want to target a little bit more in terms of where, where, where you're putting. Although, of course, the flip side to that is that's where your children are. So that's, I feel even embarrassed that I even said that. <laughs> well, how, do you, how do you kind of bridge uh-huh. those two? How do you resolve that? Well, a couple of different ways. I have two young kids. I have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old. So when I get calls from mothers who say, what do I do? Or if I have dogs that slobber on my walls, what should I really do? I give them two choices with this product. And one is to say we sell a glaze, a soy-based glaze, that you can put in high-traffic areas um, or areas where there's a lot of um, you know, dirt, grease, and grime attaching itself to your surface. This is a matte paint, so it performs like a conventional matte paint. It doesn't do well with those kinds of surface um, influences. Um, on the other side, I also say um, there are great faux techniques that you can use for hiding fingerprints, and I have used those actively in my home because I feel strongly about using natural products, and so I use two layers of color, and, and in that context, I can tell you that I see none of my children's fingerprints. <laughs> well, that's very creative. That's a, that's a good way to handle it. We, we actually did something similar. We have a, a, a sort of a two-tone faux going on. It's, 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 it's kind of a dirt color, which works really well. The accents are dirt color. It's just beautiful. It takes a while before you can really notice things. Right. Unless, of course, it's the can of tomato sauce, you know, spilled right. against the wall, and that's going to show. But. but but I have to add to that conversation. I think these are the trade-offs for this end of product. We will be launching um, in the next six months a commercial line, which will have the surface finishes that are scrubbable. Um, and we understand the market is demanding that, and we will make the trade-offs to make that happen. Okay. So, and when you say trade-offs, I mean, are you still sort of creating a compromised position, position where it won't be as bad or toxic than, you know, a normal product that would be out there? Oh, absolutely. We're still very much committed to using a renewable resin. We're very much committed to using a very simple set of additives um, that we screen very carefully in the process of making the paint. Um, and so our, our product will continue to be 
as green as we can possibly make it. It's still a, a step, a very strong step forward from the conventional zero VOC paint. Yeah, you know, it sounds like it, and, and you know, this is important. I mean, certainly with these interior paints, I mean, it's something that you're you're living with it every single day. And I don't think you know a lot of people don't they just take for granted their home and their interior, and you know, from the carpet to the paint to the, the you know what's falling off of your ceiling. I mean, it's it's what you're breathing, it's what you're living with. Um, and particularly if you're in a poorly ventilated space, it just exacerbates that problem even more. Um, right. There's some really nice features of these products in terms of the, what they'll do in your home, I think, um, and people, again, underestimate that. People who do natural building um, sometimes think about those issues more. They're permeable paint, so they are not going to get in the way of your house breathing. breathing. Um, and arguably, um, you want your house to be able to move air from inside to outside, right. even through the coatings you're putting on your wall. Right. Um, and there's been more discussion about the um, utility of the negative ions in the clay um, in terms of, of environments, um, attraction of dust, but also the sort of the, the, the quality of the interior space. Could you clarify on that point a little bit more, just because you lost me on the negative ions? <laughs> well, I, and, and this is, I, I mean, this is something that I, I think you'll hear more from people who do clay plasters um, than people who are working in paint industry per se. But clay um, creates a different surface charge than some other materials. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so if you have a lot of uh, resins, for example, in your material or acrylics in your material, you're more likely to attract, um, you have positive ions and they attract um, things to their surface, dust particles, whatever, that are floating around. Negative ions are going to help shed that off the surface. Okay. So that's a positive thing. Yeah, and the negative so is a positive. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. No, I'm not dumb. I love puns. I'm a big fan of them. Ah. <laughs> so uh, I'm curious, too, now exterior paints, not even on the radar screen for you guys? or They're on the radar probably in about a year. We are a new company. We just started selling product in fall of 2006. Um, this clay paint was, I was, I felt very strongly was the first product I wanted to launch to help us um, create an image that I felt was important in the world. So um, this will be our first product. Um, in the end of 2007, we will launch uh, the commercial line with um, the range of surface finishes and color matching available because it will use tints. And then we'll uh, move towards exterior paints and then wood coatings. Um, and that'll be in 2008. Okay. And are, are you guys, I, mean, I haven't heard of a lot of natural paints. I don't know that I've heard of any. Are you guys a pioneer in this area? Is this a new section of the industry? We're the only people in this country today making a natural paint product. Wow. Um, that said, there are milk paints that have been made in this country for, you know, 150 years or so. Um, they're, from my point of view, an equally natural product. They're just very picky and difficult to work with, mm -hmm. which is why I think they haven't been strong in the market. But today we are the, I think the the, the American manufacturer of a natural clay paint, um, and proud to be in that place. Other yeah. products are being imported from Europe, which is wonderful in terms of quality, less wonderful in terms of energy costs. That's and right. Yeah. Picture. Yeah, we don't want to import things from that far away. Right. I was, uh, we were doing a podcast with somebody that we were talking about the average. Uh, I'm sorry, it actually wasn't a podcast. It was an article on the site about the average amount of travel for food that you buy in the store, and it was something like 1,300 miles or something. Right. It was crazy. Right. Um, so if people are interested, uh, other than I know you have a website, greenplanetpaints.com, uh, what's your distribution method for getting the product out to consumers? Uh, we have two channels currently. Um, and, and builders, I should say. Yeah, and builders. 
Um, we, um, and so we have the, a network of now 25 stores, primarily in the West, but starting to move into the East um, of retailers. And these are, are largely green building stores and some um, green sort of clothing type or de- home design type stores. Um, they can be found on our website, those locations, and we also sell on the web simply because we don't have a broad network of um, retailers at this time. We want to make the product um, broadly available to as large a community as possible. Um, so those are the two mechanisms for, for getting product from us. Okay, good information. Well, Meredith Aronson, president of Green Planet Paints, has been my guest today. I want to thank you again for being on the show with us uh, informing us about the sub-area of natural paints. certainly intriguing, and uh, we appreciate you coming on and sharing your information with us. Wonderful. It's been my pleasure, Sean. Thanks, as always, to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.